Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Part of the Gaps, the podcast which seeks to plug the gaps between the church and the culture. My name is Aaron Edwards and I'm joined by Andy Bannister. Hello, sir. How are you doing in this wonderful festive time of year? It is very, very festive. I'm realising I should probably be wearing a, a Christmas jumper or perhaps a, a, a Part of the Gaps branded you know, Christmas hat or something. Indeed. But no, it, it, does feel, it, does feel, it does feel Christmassy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and 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 I I didn't even yeah I, I I said festive, so I did the secular thing there of going let's just let's just keep it let's keep it festive, guys. Let's let's talk seasons greetings rather than you know. You, yeah, you went funny when we on, lived in um, on for the evangelistic, which is yeah. Good. When we lived in Canada, uh, which was particularly bad at the whole, you know, North Americans do the whole happy holidays thing. We used to delight in you know when in a, when you were in a shop and they said to you like you know happy holidays or something we got quite good at looking at the assistant and you have to do it with a smile not angry just with a with a little fun smile and say i think you mean happy christmas and the number of times you'd see them almost like breathe a sigh of relief and go happy christmas they'd whisper back to you because it's you, know, you say it like that did you say it in the kind of semi yeah with a bit of a fun a bit of a lot of fun yeah, yeah. naughty edgy yeah, don't you yeah, i think yeah. you actually mean happy christmas and it was yeah. it was interesting we never got in trouble at all you actually what was interesting you almost saw the relief that you'd given someone permission because given the customer has led with it yes because um, obviously you know management and hr have said thou shalt not say happy christmas because you might that's offend right. somebody well exactly yeah. well that's why yeah christmas is is a is a more of a theological battleground than than uh, it absolutely is. So and let's actually, fight, fight back against the Grinch. Indeed, but a lot. In fact, earlier was it today or earlier this week? I was just in preparation for this. Yeah, I actually prepare Andy for these what these, these conversations we have. I listened back to our episode from wow. last year just to check what we said in case we just do the same episode. Are we again. still legal? Yeah, exactly. we do, yeah, we're still legal. Yeah, back then, I yeah, I had a job back then, which was fun. Um, it wasn't maybe not so fun. Um, it was do uh, who owns Christmas was our episode from last year, and we were both sat in the Moon Inn in Stony Middleton, in a, in a nice kind of prancing yes. pony inn. Yes, drinking uh, what we what we're referring to as as fizzy apple juice, which for our Southern Baptist friends, um, which made it was apple juice and it was fizzy. That, that, that it was that, that's it all was. that needs to be known. Exactly, no more. Um, yeah, and we had that, and there was what Christmas happens to the moon stays in the moon. We were, going through, we were going through our favorite carols and that kind of thing. It was, uh, it was but, but one of the themes there was who owns Christmas, and it was that kind of yeah, the secular versus the the Christian approach, which is obviously a theme every year, isn't it, in relation to um, Christmas in general? When when Christians are engaging in Christmas and, and enjoying the festivities, that there's a there is a kind of worldview battleground at, at play, isn't there? There is, and I think. Um... And I think especially around the angle we want to talk about today. So let's just skip the dancing around with the segues and, and just sort of go straight <laughs> yeah, into I've, it. I've, I, I've ruined your possibility of a segue. I know. I, I was I had this very clever Sorry. sort of segue kind of worked well, tell out. The listeners, tell the listeners what you Well, I, had a, I thought we're, we're going to talk about consumerism. And I thought, oh, this is clever. We could do some gag around, you know, fortunately, you know, listeners to look out because by next Christmas, we'll have launched the Pod of the Gaps range of branded products. We'll be able to get you a Pod of the Gaps hat and Pod of the Gaps t-shirts and Pod of the Gaps underpants and, and you know, bathroom sanitizer and, and on and on it goes. And that would have set you up to make a gag about that's terribly consumeristic. Um, but you know what? That was a lot of effort for rather than just say we're going to talk about consumerism. Because well, at least the listeners, at least the listeners know that you know you did. You spend your time preparing 
the segue, the gag. I, I might listen to other episodes or maybe read a book or something, but you've actually done the real hard graft. Of, I'm, I'm actually trying a, to sit through, yeah. Planning a pun or and or Planning something. a pun, trying to plan a pun. You know, people people <laughs> think this banter just happens, mate, and it, and it, and it, and it doesn't. It, 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 takes, takes, it takes hours and hours. Hours and hours of effort. Although, obviously, you know, this is a good time of year for dad jokes. It's the one. It's one of the few it times is. of the year when you can get away with it rather than yes. other parts <laughs> of the year where people just look at you and and, and, and roll their roll their eyes. Um where was I going with this? So the, yes, I mean you you talked about the you know the the the, the secular sort of sort of Chris uh, narrative around Christmas and then Christians trying to be involved in that. But I think you know one of the one of the areas that I think I find a challenge every year, and I think I think lots of Christians do to what extent we stop and reflect on it is an interesting question is the whole consumerism piece because christmas obviously is based around consumption right that is the that is the model that the world offers out of going christmas Mm. yeah yeah it's time to be with friends and family but really it's time to be with friends and family and buy stuff so whether it's food (laughs) or it's presents or it's media um i mean it's relentless and it's really really hard not to get caught up in it isn't it i think particularly if you have young children because our kids see stuff and if the world is screaming at you you need this and christmas is only christmas if you have this or that or the other um trying to navigate that wanting 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 to take part and be and have fun have fun with friends and family and make christmas a kind of magical time that your kids are going to remember um because those are all perfectly valid um but then at the same time you know not to sort of lose jesus and the incarnation under a massive pile of stuff um is an ever-present challenge, isn't it? Yeah, no, completely. And 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 different different cultures do have different uh, approaches to things like commercialization. I kind of think there's a strange thing in Britain that we like to think we're free of all of that American commercialization. Oh my word! Isn't we love it to amazing? pat ourselves on the back, don't we? So we love to go, oh, those Americans. I mean, they're just so look at the big lights. Everything's big. Everything's brash. They all of their podcasts have their. You know, they've got their their merchandise. They actually do like lots of really good podcasts I listen to are massive on merchandise. And as a British person, when I first hear it come across it, maybe several years ago when I first started seeing this, so we're going to just interrupt this for this kind of commercial thing. And you kind of think, oh, those Americans again. Um, and but at the same time, we are just as commercial, aren't we? We just have our own ways of of um, expressing it. And we kind of give ourselves to it in in just a slightly different way. So we think we're above it, but we're really, we're just not as gung-ho and not maybe not as consistent in, in going through it. Um, so those, those podcasts, for example, that want to have all the merchandise, they're, they're actually doing it because they're consistently wanting to grow the brand to raise support because they care about their podcasts, etc. which actually isn't a bad thing to do. But we, we see that we're cynical, I think, on this side of the pond. We're more cynical and we go, that must mean grifting it must mean a lack of integrity and it can mean that for sure but it need not necessarily mean that i guess um but yeah in terms of where i was going with that the 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 commercial end of things you're right is is a huge problem and something that needs to be sort of thought through for sure because we are because of what i said earlier in in the battleground of the of worldviews and secularism it's very easy for us for christmas to be taken over by something else altogether um and, and i think last year one of the things i i to quote myself from last year's episode um i refer to c.s lewis's distinction between christmas and xmas where he says these are two different things there's a kind of worldly version of christmas which you could legitimately call xmas which is all of the kind of hustle and harrying and consumerism and then there's the real thing which is what what christmas has brought to the world which does actually bring lots of joy and peace and light and love etc 
Yes. I, uh, I love the fact that, you know, you've probably made, if he's looking down from the hereafter, you know, I, you've made C.S. Lewis's day because you've quoted yourself quoting C.S. Lewis. And <laughs> Lewis finally thinks I've finally arrived that, 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 uh, that, that Aaron Edwards has quoted me uh, indirectly on, 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 on part of the game. Quoted himself. Um, yeah. The other thing I was thinking as you were saying that, I think the, the, uh, the other, some of the most pernicious challenges I think in our in, in our culture, and in a couple of episodes' time, the first episode of twenty twenty four, we're going to do our regular. What are the challenges mm-hmm. facing the church? Because yeah. I, mean, I think some of the biggest challenges, whether it's you know sexuality or the battle for truth, or no matter what it is, it's where the culture has go so far gone a particular direction that as yeah. Christians, that you are surrounded by it, and it becomes the air the air we breathe. You know, our friend Glenn Scrivener wrote a book with that title, um, which is quite it was quite a clever book. And uh, but the idea of the of the air you breathe, the problem is when you're surrounded by it all the time, you don't notice it. And I think with something like, you know, consumerism, um, the first challenge is becoming conscious of it because you don't you don't realize because everyone is behaving this way. Everyone is making the very similar consumption choices and purchasing choices and structuring their finances a similar way. Um, it could take quite a while before you become awakened to the yeah. fact that there is an, al- an alternative. There are things that help, I think, if you're if you're plugged in internationally. So, you know, I think one of the most important things we can do as Christians is to be aware of how our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are living, and that can open mm-hmm. your eyes a bit to going, my word, we are pretty privileged here in the West, even those of us who are struggling mm-hmm. occasionally are comparatively, you know, well off and on, on, on a global, you know, geographically, geographically spread scale and a chronological time scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the, that's the first thing, uh, and then I think also if God brings across your path people who just make decisions that seem completely outrageous. So yeah. one of the things that we've chosen to do as a family, and I'm not by a long way saying we're immune from consumerism, but I think one of the choices we made a few years ago that's really helped is we don't have a TV in the house. Now we're not luddites; we watch some stuff. I don't think I knew that. that. I know. Have we, has this ever come up before? Because I, I thought you were going to last year's episode. You referred to something you do as a family. I don't, and I was like, oh, he's going to repeat the same thing. No, but no, no, no. It's different. I so, don't uh, think you've ever said that you don't. I haven't said this. Talking about telly, I always be careful because some people look at you like you're totally mad, and, and you, they still look at you like mad. And we still watch stuff. We use we use our laptops and mm. stuff, but but not having the great big number of houses I, I walk into and the tv is the focus yeah. of attention every sofa yeah. every chair is angled that way it is the little yeah. household god in the in the corner and yeah. and even that that placement of it is the central thing in the room and then the messages that come through now but here's the thing the reason one of the main reasons we don't have a tv is not because we're some you know amazing example of ascetic practice about 10 years ago now i came across a good friend of mine who hadn't got a telly <laughs> And the first time I encountered this, my reaction was, what? Why are you inside? What? I mean, wow. How, how, help me understand this. And as yeah. he talked through the choices his family had made, I was like, oh, that is so astoundingly obvious. Why yeah. had I not thought yeah. of that? And we yeah. then made that decision. When we came back from we, when we came back from Canada was when we made the decision because at that point we had a telly in North America mm. um, and we'd have to change everything because the formats are different over there. So yeah. we're like, you know what? Yeah. We're coming back. We're going to get rid of the one we got over there, and then we're just going to buy another one. But again, it was because God brought across my path a mate who'd made that countercultural choice. Yeah, and yeah. so sometimes, yeah, being exposed to countercultural choices that sort of slap you across the face with the obvious that no one's pointed out. It's a bit like it's the amazing. emperor's new clothes, right? Somebody needs yeah. to point the finger and go, "Hang on a minute, yeah. why is everyone doing this?" Yeah, 
and then not they not only have to do it and live up, but also be willing to say this is a good choice. I'm not embarrassed by it. And then you have to be willing as you hear that to go, oh yeah, that is a good choice. I'm going to do that. But so often we buffer ourselves away, and anything that might actually change any habit in our life, we treat as weird, don't we? So they might, some might have seen your friend and go, oh gosh, what a terrible uh, prude. Um, you know, this is this may, maybe that's works for him. The first thing they may say is if they even if they don't think it's terrible, they'll say this works for him, but it could it doesn't have to doesn't mean it has to work for me. They could, we've immediately put up the force field to to protect ourselves from being challenged by an example of what is ultimately a, a holiness to say we we yeah there are things that can help set us apart which is which is good so any podcast yeah. listeners if you want to donate your television um Andy Bannister will happily receive it if you no, want Andy to won't him. actually no I can Come safely say no please don't Carry please your TV. if you've got a TV that you don't want I'm sure your local school old people's home something would happily take that off you but but we would not want that but um but the bigger piece around that that I think opens up other questions and for different ones of us listening there'll be different things that maybe God might place his finger on I think as we as we as we thought that through I can remember the conversations we had as we headed towards that decision you suddenly realize that you know part of the whole consumerism piece and I mentioned earlier not just stuff you know at Christmas but entertainment I think a lot of the things that also drives the consumerism agenda is you have to be comfortable life should be mm. set up in such a way yeah. it should never be difficult it should never be awkward it should never be late time time um consuming um and you should never have to have downtime when you have to possibly sit there and think about the big questions of life and so yeah. you know tv pulls into that really that it's going you don't need to you don't need to have any gaps in your life you know our phones do the same thing uh mm. really and so again something about doesn't christianity say something countercultural that maybe there should be some awkward moments in life. Maybe start, there, there should be times when it when it when it when it when it's difficult. And once you start making those difficult choices, it gets it gets interesting. When I mean, it's not entirely related to consumerism, but I thought of it just now. I remember years ago having a friend of mine uh, who felt that one of the one of the virtues that God wanted her to develop was was patience because she could be mm. quite impatient. So I remember her saying to me, she said, "My the current thing that I've decided to do for the next three months, I've committed that I'll always join the longest line at the supermarket." And I was like, that's amazing. And I'm not saying, by the way, to listeners, that's what you should be doing. But in her case, she'd identified her piece of comfort was everything had to be fast and rapid. And she got hugely annoyed if anything impinged on her time. And so I, I just like the spiritual mm. exercise of going, I'm actually going to make life deliberately difficult for myself, whether it's getting rid of a telly, whether it's in this case, I'm going to join the longer line at the supermarket and just teach myself the virtue of waiting and slowing down, mm. um, even while everything inside me is screaming the other yeah and that's where some of these things are they do tend to be well like I, I like all such choices i guess they tend to be subjective in the sense of going what are things that we particularly struggle with and and what are the particular practices that might actually help because i guess that's where you look at the monastic traditions and they may we we, we look in, in our age because we do live in a more indulgent age just in general like the average christian just has more stuff has more money in the west that is um, and we don't see it as a problem. And we're more worried when we think of the idea of like a monk, you know, like the Bannister family, monk, monk-like in their um, in their televisionless uh, lounge, or Andy in his hut at the back. My of little wooden hut of happiness. Yeah, poor little wooden hut. Uh, so <laughs> probably well lit, and uh, you know. But uh, 
I, I think not well heated. I'll tell you right now, but you did not. Okay. <laughs> so you, this is the time of the please. year when you find yourself asking, "Is having a wooden hut in the garden as one's workspace the best idea?" But <laughs> you need to create, that... you need to make it into a sauna. You need to get one, you know, some coals and yes, water and exactly. So you need though. You said needs. Yes, oh, I know. Things coming right through there. It shows that I'm, I'm a classic Westerner. But that's yeah, the yeah. thing. Yes, yeah, so we we are. We just, as you said, the air we breathe is consumerist. So. We are more suspicious of the monk-like existence. I mean, I heard of. I remember hearing a story about someone, my one of my dad's friends, who just randomly decided to, to go. It was don't think. Yeah, you know, he was actually. Yeah, I think he was a Christian. This is before I was a Christian, so I had no framework for this. He decided to live a more ascetic existence, and I think he set himself a budget. He lived on his own, wasn't married. And his budget was something like two pounds a day. And I, I may, maybe he was, maybe he had the um, uh, freedom of obviously he must have had a house. I think he had a house that he was able to live, like a vicarage um, that he was able to stay in for free. So you could say, well, that's easy. But then living on two pounds a day may not be that easy. Um, and just decided that's what he's going to do, which we naturally go, well, that's that's silly. I don't have to do that, and I, I don't think you should have to do that um, because there's other ways of. of dealing with life and being thankful for the gifts that you're given. And I can talk about that a bit later on, but it is just interesting to feel the challenge of the aesthetic uh, tradition sometimes and go, yeah, there are, there just are decisions you may have to make and, and that we have both fast, both fasting and feasting. And if Christmas is a feasting time and it ought to be, there are also times of fasting, aren't there? We could talk about things like Lent and other times of this sort of liturgical yes. calendar, if that's the language you use. They're helpful because they do actually help you. They help yes. sort of reorient you. They help you grow in holiness in some way or other. They don't need to be things where you uh, feel you you have to. And if you don't do them, you're suddenly a terrible person. If you don't, if you have yeah. a TV, like I have a TV, oh. I yeah. don't feel, you know, yet guilt tripped by you to uh, to lose the TV. But I, I equally see exactly the same point. And we don't mm. we don't actually have it connected to the TV. We just have it for a DVD player yes. and connecting laptop to it. But still. Um, you, you, anything relating to screens can be the same thing. So yeah, I don't have a smartphone so that I won't be online all the time, but I can e- easily drift in other times like anyone does to their phone onto, onto the laptop. And so it's anything that where, where a screen can be overly dominant and it can stop you doing other things which are either for the sake of holiness or even just for mm. general um, good good um, sort of structures and... and um, practices within your own family like spending more time together talking more even reading um is really important you just read less when you when you gravitate to a screen because it does everything for you or you want to read on the screen and that kind of thing so whatever makes you more passive we tend to go that way as you say because we're Hmm. drawn towards comfort and things being easy those kind of things well here's another one i I will i will throw in as an example of i think you know the way that particularly around christmas stuff creeps in they can mention the word calendar there so my uh my one of my kids came back the other night. They'd been to the to, to, to the to the supermarket with uh, with my wife on the way home from uh, their youth activity, mm-hmm. and uh, they had. Uh, we've got up the road from ours. We've got we've got a Waitrose, which for non Brits is a very posh, expensive store most of the time where you have to take a mortgage out for most things. But they have a, some things are sensibly priced, so they popped in for a pint of milk, and so we thought very luxurious that we were drinking Waitrose milk. For the, for the week, and my, but I think my son was was very excited. He went, Dad, you'll never guess what they had. As we walked in through the entrance, they had an advent calendar where every day was a different bottle of gin, little bottle of gin. And he knows that I, I I do like a little bit of gin. He, he said, Dad, that was made for you. Uh, I didn't say how much it would have cost, 
But he, even he, at eight years old, thought that was a ridiculous idea that you would celebrate the lead up to Christmas by by having a you know a little novelty bottle of gin every day. But that sparked a conversation. We then looked around the room. And we realized, I was like, but kids, you realize that we've got in this room, in our lounge, I think six advent calendars. They've got mm. three each because different grandparents of, yeah, we bought them one, different grandparents bought them one. And so every morning our kids go dashing downstairs to open the advent calendar to grab, there's a chocolate. So they load, they start the day that way. And I went, I went, is that not part of the same thing that we're, we're getting ready to prepare for celebrating Emmanuel, God with us, the arrival of Jesus at Christmas? Mm. Hmm. and all we're doing each morning is take its opportunity to rip open a cardboard door and snag a bit of Cadbury's. And it was interesting, what, you know, having that discussion with my with my kids. And again, bless them, it was one of them who said, you know, maybe next Christmas we should just do the, you know, the thing that focuses on the story. And actually one of their event calendars is the traditional, you know, you open it up and it's just got the, the story and the Bible verse that un, that unfolds and they still enjoy doing that's that. the one you used to get from like some probably more religious like pe- f- like family friend or something that you'd be like oh great advert calendar but it's like it was like uh, what i found interesting hours. there and i think this again is maybe an area where you know as christians we don't want to be you know avoiding the kind of pharisaic spirit on the uh-huh. one hand but also yeah. opening up the conversation it's not just that with the, the consumerism is the air we breathe we also do we not also need to watch that actually if we're not careful the culture is going to come in and parasitically then infect christian structures mm-hmm. and so i think the advent calendar is a really classic example of going you know it began with the culture saying great christmas big celebration let's get you to buy as much stuff have as big a meal as you can but now yeah. it's coming to and it's definitely i was reflecting i think it's got worse in recent years mm-hmm. in terms of the whole the whole advent tradition of going how can we get you now to consume stuff for 24 mm. days leading up to the big day of consumption which means it's going to be even more challenging for, challenging for christians yeah. to carve out our own traditions especially those as with families that doing this with kids is important but then uh but a carve out our own traditions but b then find ways of explaining those to people um because i mentioned the word pharisaical early i don't mean that just as a cop-out i think the, the danger is if you don't find ways of telling the better story if all we are is the negative again we don't like this story we're going to react people will struggle with that but if we can find a way of going the reason we do it this way is because we see something much more exciting it's a better story it's a better story to have that expectation of coming through darkness leading up to Christmas and then the arrival of Christ. That is an infinitely more exciting story than 24 little min- the gin miniatures. Um, that may give you a little bit of fun at the time, but then you come the 25th, you've just got a load of empties and nothing to show for it. But I think that... And, and, and a serious drinking habit. And a serious and a middle-class drinking habit. Um, but yeah, there's something about we're going to have to be really creative, both in terms of and courageous in terms of holding our ground i think but also then explaining that that story but the positive thing here is i think there are more and more people who are having we're not we are not the only ones who are asking questions about consumerism you know mm-hmm. i think some of the trends we've talked about in recent episodes on pod of the gaps that there is this sort of resurgent beginning of an interest i think in spirituality that i see more of in the places i go and speak and I think there are more people actually beginning to say this whole consumeristic dream hasn't worked out that well, actually, because we've tried this and we're hollow. Um, but the church needs to really refine its voice and its and its confidence quickly. Mm. Yeah, really, really good points. I, I think, and of course, thank you very much. You can, <laughs> you can buy them on a t-shirt or a tea towel. 
mug. You can hear them on last year's part of the gaps. Actually, he's just trotting out the same old stuff. No, um, so no, it's really it's the really interesting thing about it. Um, the the cultural moment of people um, who are kind of more aware of spirituality, they're kind of pro God in some way or pro Christian values in some way. Yeah, we've discussed that at length before. We've critiqued some of the ways that could also be unhelpful. And a part of me, when, when consumerism comes up in these circles, because um, it comes up on the on, on those on the progressive side as well, you, you know, I, I sometimes get suspicious when I think. Why are why are there people that I disagree with <laughs> saying stuff that I ought to agree with? Is there a reason they're saying it that actually uh, we we should come against in some way? Not not just for the sake of being contrarian for the sake of it, but to go okay, there might be some wonderful way in which there can just be a lovely harmonious agreement here, which would be great. But there also might be something else going on. Um, and so even though for years, as, the, as evangelicals, we've, we've often said this point about consumerism being a problem, even if we've actually practiced consumerism ourselves in, in unhelpful ways, are there ways that it taps into the Gnosticism that's also been in evangelicalism? So when we, when we critique consumerism and, and our increasingly transhumanistic society starts critiquing consumerism, are there actually kind of sinister even or, or at least um unhelpful ways that consumerism can be critiqued in such a way that it's almost like devaluing the earthiness of the world that god created so the same in the same you know society where where your own physical body doesn't get to dictate um how you live your life what genitalia you have or what hormones mm. you have what biological sex you are, you can change that because actually it's not about physicality and it's, it's about the idea. That's obviously a Gnostic idea, mm -hmm. uh, concept. At the same time, so when we, we critique consumerism and we're so worried about the kind of, um, these sort of environmental issues, you know, cult, uh, kind of climate change issues. So therefore we have to sort of live this more aesthetic existence, which is less, uh, actually less enjoyable, <laughs> some, some might say. I mean, different to what you were saying earlier in terms of, restraining yourself or living a holier life in order for greater joy i think the way in the culture this kind of anti-consumerism can work in the culture in a way that's actually not in keeping with the way that god has created and redeemed us and actually the point of christmas so we we do rightly look at some of those other great mm. examples of christians like c.s lewis and Chesterton and others who and dickens who remind us of the the jolliness the lightness and the and the goodness of Christmas as well. And so I think that might be kind of something to throw in the mix there. Yes. Um, any kind of thoughts? I've got a quote yeah. to read. I'll let you respond there. Well, I've got a couple of thoughts there straight away. The, f the first thing is, you're, I think you raise a really interesting question. Um, and I think what I find fascinating is like so many things in our culture, our culture is deeply, deeply, you know, divided on on this and, 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 and incoherence. And one of the examples would be, you know, you mentioned the whole the whole, the whole transgender piece. I read something recently where someone was observing, actually, that is, on the one hand, there's a Gnostic thread behind that. I, you know, body bad, you know, mind good. On the other hand, actually, it's also deeply consumeristic because the billions, that, particularly in the States, but the UK is catching up on this, that are going into that, that medicalization of people because if you step onto as, as a young person you step onto the transgender uh, conveyor belt you know you're going to be on prescription drugs for the rest of your life 
Um, particularly if you go the, the full medicalization route, if you have, uh, you know, parts of your body removed and, um, and so on and so on, uh, you know, you are going to the, the drugs that are required to stop your body reacting against what's been done to you. So, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of dollars, uh, in, in, in profit going through that. And as somebody once said, follow the money. Um, so I think there's a whole consumeristic tend trend there to, and of course, the whole transgender piece deeply fueled by social media and and the internet. So it's a product of consumerism as, as, as well, which is interesting. Um, but the other thought, um, that occurred to me, uh, in what you'd said just there has actually, I just realized my brain is completely frozen, which is great. So you can, listeners can see that I, well, you're, in, you're in this. Uh, you're in. You're in the, your frozen hut to the back of your. No. What was the other point you made, Aaron? And remind me of the second thing you said because I was. I, I had a clever oh, response. Oh, just, just, yeah, just whether, um, whether there are oh, yes. reasons. Yeah. Yes, that was what I was going to say. So it's good that people see this. They realise this is not pre-rehearsed or or or, 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 or planned <laughs> out. That we just have these spontaneous conversations. And this is where we I mess up. We do it all in one take. If it? I was down the pub, this is the point at which I go. Just hold that thought. I'm just going to go get another round. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what it was. It was that you're right because there is the good thing about 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 produce and consumption is God has given us a good world and He's told us to go and have dominion to look after and care for it, but also you know utilize the stuff that He's created. Creativity mm-hmm. is something that God's built into us. So you know when somebody goes out, when someone who's got a skill goes out and takes the resources that God has made and makes something beautiful out of that and perhaps then sells it to someone else to put in the home and enjoy for example um there's nothing inherently wrong with any of that i think where the consumerism thing comes in is two things firstly is when it starts encouraging us to define ourselves by what we by what we purchase that's a that's a that's a that's a trend um and actually i remember years ago when i was back at college attending going to a really interesting lecture on advertising as part of our our course looking at, at culture and consumerism and these kind of things and in that lecture being pointed out if you look at the history of advertising it's very interesting because the er- the earliest adverts you know in the sort of seven uh, late 1700s into the 1800s and to some degree through to the big early 1900s really adverts tended to be just informational you know here's the product yeah. that i make here's what it does just buy it then is through yeah. the 1940s 50s 60s it becomes aspirational and uh, it, it, you're buying a lifestyle, you're buying an image. And in fact, I remember then a few years ago going to the Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta in, yeah. uh, in the States, and that's a, fan, fa, uh, and a fascinating place to go because one of the most fascinating things, they've got a gallery looking at Coca-Cola advertising through the ages, and you can just see that laid out. The early Coke ads mm-hmm. were like, Coca-Cola, yeah, you know, yeah. it's uh, buy it from your local chemist. Um come through to the present era you often get to a stage where the product's not even shown on screen it's just people having an experience together and then you know coke is it and they're selling you a kind of buy the product and the lifestyle comes with it so that's a huge massive problem in consumerism and then i think the other piece around christmas becomes if the product which you're consuming allows you to create that space in which celebration can happen now that sounds like a big idea but you know if you're putting on a family meal and inviting friends and family and neighbors to gather together around your table hospitality is a big christian virtue Mm, as part of that you're going to retell the story of jesus perhaps you'll do a scripture reading or pray together you'll celebrate you know family and community together then that's fine because the the end 
is a virtuous thing. The the end yeah. is not the product itself. You know, you're not you're not buying a, a turkey or some crackers just because you want the turkey and the crackers. What you're trying to do is create that environment in which you're inviting people yes. into. And I think that is okay. Where yes. sneaky turn becomes is I'm buying this thing because it's an end in and of itself. Yes. And yes. you know, we've had that conversation with our kids sometimes as we've taught them to, you know, analyze advertising. You know, they'll and they've got quite good now. At, you know, they'll see and they'll be watching something on Netflix or something. An advert will pop up, and actually, mm. rather than get cross, I've just learned to say to my kids, "Okay, let's pause this here. What's that ad saying?" And you know, teach your kids to be able to go. Oh, that ad is saying that yeah. if I buy that toy, I'll be really happy forever. Exactly. Do you think that's right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Dad, yeah. I'll be happy for five days, yeah. and then I might. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I think it's the messaging and the promise, yeah, and the alternative story. That consumerism is trying to tell that's the problem and then where we need to push back against not necessarily purchasing Stuff things yeah. in that's a, really, that's a really good point it's funny enough as you were talking an, an amazon delivery driver came up but I, I had to direct him to put the parcels down on the floor outside our window rather than uh <laughs> knocking the door make me get up um but um, it's, all, it's all about comfort, of course. But it's just funny that it just reminded me of the, of the ludicrousness of how easy it is with with stuff like Amazon Prime because you just get like next day or sometimes same day delivery, and it's just everything's so easy. Everything's more affordable than it would have been the kind of equivalent products that you can get today in loads of ways. And in many ways, that's a a positive aspect of technology, and we shouldn't um, actually eschew that entirely. We can actually give God thanks for the good things i know that there's absolutely loads of other problems that come up there's a result of that technology or that ease ease of service or mass production which actually is very bad and uh, globalizes us in a way that isn't very helpful um, but there, there's always things you can be thankful for as well but at the same time because of the ease of it, it you 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 do lose a little bit of sense of proportion quite easily um because of that but but that's a, a, an aside really to your point on the um fascinating point on the, on the advertising i completely agree and and you know obviously many would who know the history of christmas will know that i think coca-cola effectively invented the santa claus that we have right now it's like a culmination of you know different i was listening to a lecture by a friend of mine nathan paler on the history christian history of christmas recently and uh yeah he was talking about the kind of amalgamation of of you know saint nicholas of course an early an early kind of fourth century um, bishop with, you know, Sinterklaas, I think maybe the Swedish, um, Swedish figure. And then, and then uh, who's the other one? I forget the other one. Anyway, but bringing them together and Coca-Cola like colored him, gave him this sort of particular uh, approach and took a kind of cartoon from the 19th century and sort of spruced it up. And then, and then added elements of the mythos. And that becomes just like, as though, as though that's always been there for thousands of years, but it's actually a, a kind of advertising stint in many ways which has been phenomenally successful and it does link into that i don't know if you've ever heard of a guy um, edward bernays that's the, how he pronounces their name the kind of american um p- pioneer of um basically like of, of that sort of psychoanalytical advertising in the early 20th century mm. in america influenced by freud like directly influenced by freud and was trying to bring a subconscious desire and bring out people's subconscious desires through advertising. So as you say, telling them not actually what they need, but telling them what they think they want and tapping into that and cleverly being able to almost manipulate people so that they want stuff they didn't know that they wanted in some strange way. So it was very mm. psychoanalytical, very much to do with who you are, who the ego is yes. um, and, and what the ego desires and based yeah, hugely upon Freudian 
theory. So, and that again, that's a twentieth century phenomenon. Yes, there's always been um, people who've tried to peddle stuff. There's always been people who've used tricks and trades and advertising, always um, in, in various ways. But this it just kind of ramped up a significant way in a way that kind of affected the masses in a way that hadn't happened before yeah. because we've got television. I know you even if you don't watch it, and all sorts of other media which kind of draw into focus this sort of consumerist narrative and it reminded me again of oh there's this there's a book that like is really quite challenging it challenges me in the way that it kind of pushes the window even further in the kind of connections it's willing to make called the boniface option by andrew isker um and he's saying stuff about particularly and i totally agree with his whole concept is about the use of St. Boniface, and which is something I already agree with and go for in terms of how we should attack the idols of our day. But it's his specific connections he makes to the contemporary culture, which are quite interesting. And they kind of push the push a bit further, not entirely sure whether I go with him on all of them. But one of the things he'll say is this consumerism is, is a kind of feature, not a bug of the world we live in. Like almost like as if you're in the matrix and it wants you, it needs you to keep consuming. Yes. Because it's literally designed our, our world is he, he refers to it as trash world and it's like we live in this world where like your your whole existence is engulfed in this need for you to consume in this particular way to watch these kinds of shows to eat this kind of food mass-produced um food which isn't always good for you and we don't even know the effects of it but it, hey we've got loads of it and it, we've been able to mass produce it we've kind of cut away all of the localized farming and things like that as a result to get to make it happen but don't worry it's good for you we know what's best for you the state gets bigger uh, the states globally kind of connect uh, in, in a greater way and we're telling you a lot at the same time a lot of ideological stuff so there's lots of con- connections that are made um but there's something that rings true about the fact, especially on the consumeristic front, that so many people are just locked into this existence where they are putting off doing the things that most human civilizations have done uh, for, for a longer period of time, whether that's getting married, settling down, having children, building into uh, community and into civilization. There's a more of a self-focused consumerism, which is, again, just part and parcel of the world that we live in, the world that's been constructed around us Um that we're sort of plugged into. And that's something that's a, a really serious issue for Christians to kind of be aware of and go, whoa, I don't want to be just plugged into something because I happen to be here. Um, I want to be able to step outside of it and be able to speak into it, even even if there's stuff in that world which is still um, really helpful and important mm. to thank God for. Yeah, I think also the fact that we live in that kind of world also explains why, and I suppose we use the air we breathe language earlier too, is also pretty mm. why change is difficult as well because if it because because so much is, is so everyone else is playing the same game and making the same kind of choices that it's going to be it takes a lot of a lot of courage and a lot of inertia doesn't it then to stand up and, and, and do the countercultural piece um you know it was your mention of freud maybe think of psychologists and psychoanalysts psychoanalysis mm. and and so forth and i was struck by i was um i was working on a i was proofreading a book yesterday we've got a new book at solas coming out in the new year called uh called have you ever wondered uh, which is kind of pre-evangelism book There's about eight different be, i think it, listeners i think it's gonna be free because andy's like really free um, i, I wish um it's, just... it's uh it'll be pretty cheap actually two, if you buy 50 copies two pound 50 a unit so if you're a church leader that. listening to this perfect easter evangelistic giveaway but there's eight different authors in there and one of our authors has written a uh, one of the, the penultimate chapter is really clever and it's called have you ever wondered if you can truly change and it looks at this tendency you know we, as human beings we want to change many of us know there are things wrong with us we just didn't seem to have the power to do it and he digs up this really interesting piece from a, a psychologist 
uh, called Joseph, Joseph Burgo, who's, a, I think, a secular psychologist, done some great work on change and why people struggle to change. And uh, I was thinking of this with the consumerism piece you just described. And Burgo says, we find change hard for three reasons. Firstly, most people don't have an accurate idea of who you are. So change begins by you actually diagnosing that there's something wrong and that you need to change. That's the first step. And that's incredibly hard, especially when everyone's just playing the same way. Um, secondly, we have a human propensity to blame other people for our shortcomings. Um, so it's very easy to go, well, yeah, okay, maybe I, I, I'm too consumeristic, but it's not my fault. It's the TV, it's the advertising, it's my wife, it's my family, it's the grandparents, you know, who shower my kids stuff at Christmas, whatever it is. And then thirdly, um, is the fact that, ch- that change involves hard work and making difficult choices. And when I read that list, I thought that's really interesting because uh, as a psychologist who's not not as far as I know a Christian, but as Christians, we, I think, would agree with those, you know, those, those three things. And, you know, part of what the gospel does is, you know, bring light onto who we are. Um, and it's why many people resist it, because actually it can be quite painful to have mm. Jesus gently put his finger on something and go, do you know, maybe you need to deal with this. Mm. Um, mm. The fact that, again, you know, Christians of all people should realize that we have this natural human tendency to blame others. It's been going on to the Garden of Eden, uh, whether it's a bigger issue like sinfulness or our own consumeristic tendencies that we we want to dive, we want to push the spotlight off onto others. And then, yeah, discipleship or or faithfulness or living up the gospel, you know, whether it's in our lifestyle choices or our spending choices, that yeah. is just going to be hard. Um, and there's a real question, I think, is how... How as churches we support and encourage people to make those difficult choices, and I think one way we do it is if those of us who are in, in leadership is that we we talk about it, we talk about the fact that it's on it, that it's tough, we talk about the fact it's an issue, and we talk honestly about in our own lives, you know, where we are not perfect on this, and um, and actually we found in our own our own circle actually around the consumerism piece. Um, the fact that we haven't got it all right. I gave the TV example, but there's dozens of examples where we've stuffed up big time where I've, you know, I've hit the buy button on Amazon and then God, I've done it again. Um, but what we have found with our, with our friends and our small group at church and stuff, the more that you begin talking about this and talking about your own failures in this area and how do we do better and encourage one another, the more I found people going, man, I'm glad someone's actually raising these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think perhaps yeah. one of the first big steps is that the church begin having evangelicals begin having these conversations. Because that's another point, by the way, that I'm realizing we're at the 45 minute mark. But again, it's an area where sometimes I think on the consumerism piece, we've left it a bit too much to our friends at the progressive end of theology, mm-hmm. bang on about these issues. And evangelicals, I think of because it smells a bit like that at times, we've gone, no, no, we must just talk about the gospel. Um, yeah without actually going actually know what let's give the let's grab that issue back we have our ball back please actually yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. to go actually because yeah. you mentioned monasticism and that and, those, and that kind of trend i mean that's thoroughly yeah. thoroughly orthodox that yeah. trend of wrestling with the fact that we need to be in the world but not of the world and that's going to be a constant struggle yeah no absolutely i think and it's funny that you say it, some of that has to come from um the kind of action we take in our own households isn't it in terms of especially think of fathers as heads of households and things like that parents in general as i say that as my children are loudly uh around the house behind me you need to buy Um, them a toy to keep them occupied while you're recording (laughs) a part of the gap you are too happy um so 
I, I think one of the things we've noticed actually this one of, one of the this may make us sound like really terrible parents, but or me really as a father, I, I should take the blame really because it is my was my idea. We we just noticed actually. I don't know if you know this, Andy, in yours. You just end up, because even if you don't have much money and you buy stuff from charity shops and stuff, as we tend to, you just still end up with like phenomenal volumes of stuff. So the, the people who if, are maybe listening to this, who have helped me move house ever, will know how much <laughs> stuff you have. And it's just like, you just, it's good to have the stuff because um, it's useful and helpful. And you do need to make it useful and not, and not just hoard for the sake of it. But it can be really overwhelming. And I don't want to treat uh, our, our children to just be, um, not learning how to steward the things that they have well. And so if one of our children, I won't name which one, you'll know which one I'm sure, <laughs> might hasn't looked after their remote control car that their grandparent bought them, and they might have been bought another one, which is like amazing, which didn't last more than a month or two before something, or it was left for another sibling to pick up or something, then, you know, you're not, you're, you want them to learn to be faithful with what they have. So occasionally i haven't done this yet but i had i have occasionally sort of had this really cruel sounding idea <laughs> of taking their toys away and then wrapping them and giving them back to them at christmas look here's your here's your christmas present it's what you had but i think that'd be a bit too scrooge like <gasps> my yeah, want- word i can i can see the phone <laughs> the phone lines lighting up from- of these charges no but the, the point is it's like it, there's no point you being bought more stuff because you won't even appreciate it. you do need to learn you'll lose the joy of even being bought anything like i remember watching a, a movie when i was growing up a black and white movie it might have been lassie i don't know if people watch lassie or not i think it was a black and white movie anyway of lassie and this little boy got bought a pencil case with some pencils in for his for christmas and it was like his parents had like saved up for it for months and they were they were so proud to pass him this thing and he hardly had anything. And he was really disappointed because he wanted like, I don't know, something not even like some toy soldiers. And that would have been him being happy with. But he got bought a pencil case. And that's what that's all they could afford. That's all they wanted to give him. And it was just kind of like thinking that there's something beautiful about being able to appreciate what you have. And so when you're inundated with yet more things, if you get given like 20 more things every birthday and every Christmas, it's very hard to actually appreciate and give God yes. glory and enjoy them yourself and that's so that's something that i kind of that kind of adds into the mix there i think so and i think it's interesting I mean, as, as you were describing that i remember actually the first getting the life lesson in this that when uh you know when our kids were quite small i mean they got very generous grandparents and the, i think yeah. there was one particular christmas where you know my son who was three and my daughter was five the amount of stuff they got was just almost insane but then you could actually see they almost got confused as to what to play with they couldn't focus yeah because do yeah. i do this or this or this and actually one of the things that we've uh introduced uh i think the first time we did it was last christmas and we're doing it again this christmas and again not offering this as you know we're any kind of model of of holiness in this but just uh, strategies and things that we're trying mm. last christmas we introduced an idea whereby at christmas we've told our kids that we like mum and dad will not get them big plastic messy toy type stuff yeah. for christmas like my son loves lego so for his birthday we go big on the whole lego front other brands are available um you know my daughter's going through a sylvanian kind of family kind of kind of yeah, kind of phase i wish personally i think there's a branding miss there that they need to combine that with horror movies and launch transylvanians but you know Transylvanian families. um yeah. but what we do at christmas now is last Christmas we implemented the idea we were a big board game playing family. So we're like, what we'll do instead is for each other within the family, we will get two or three new board games together as family presents, mm. and then we'll mm. play those across the year. We did that last Christmas. It went down like a, it was wild. They've loved it. And we're doing it again this 
Christmas. Mm. And that's fun because they get to talk around what games they've seen and what might be interesting. Yeah. So they still get other stuff from grandparents, but it means actually what that's done, that's made our internal family Christmas simpler um, because rather than go out and get dozens of different things for different people and stuff, we, we you know, this is yeah. the, the present from the family to the family. Um, yeah, yeah. And again, I, I forget where I got that idea. It wasn't original to us. I saw someone else do something similar and thought, oh, that's a really yeah. nice idea. And so maybe one of the takeaways from this episode for people listening is, you know, in, so in, in, in one sense, there's no easy answer here other than once you realize, once you wake up to maybe it's time to take a bit of a stand, then together as a family. And this is actually the joy if your kids are a little bit older of sitting down and going, what are we going to do? Let's talk about this. Mm as 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 a family let's work out and it may look different for every christian household of going this is a way we're gonna have fun and celebrate the the good stuff that god's given us but do it in a way that's not ridiculous that doesn't mean we end up worrying about the credit card bills till the summer um you know we don't end up just with you know uh, literally a fleet of amazon prime trucks turning up at our our (laughs) door and and i suppose the other challenge we've we often ask ourselves is how do we ensure that as Christians, that our, as a family, our spending patterns look different to the world around us? They, they should be something, shouldn't there? I think that if you were to compare a Christian family in the way that we're engaging with the world of, of, of stuff, that should look different. And, and it, not as simple as the Christian family is not buying anything. Or maybe it's even not as simple as the Christian family is buying 20% less. But surely if much of how we express ourselves in the world comes through the way that we behave as econ- economically, mm-hmm. then how do our economic choices yeah. look that little bit different? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, yeah. And people who aren't in families can be thinking what kind of, if I want to, so I realize I, sorry, I should have included the wide, whatever community you're in, or even if you're on your own, it's like, what, how are you going? Normally Christmas like, is a time where you're going to be with some people and hopefully those who are listening to this will find will will have someone to share Christmas with, um, but it, you, we, we ask there's something about the togetherness and, and the the, you know, the nativity scene itself is a, a gathering together. It is a kind of party, um, and there is there are gifts involved in it. And I think that's something that we um, don't often think of. Here's, here, let me spring this on you, Andy, as a kind of final thought for you to respond to because I think it's an interesting um, mm. um, reflection. This is from a book, um, uh, Doug Wilson's book, God Rest Ye Merry. Why Christmas is the foundation for everything. This is one of his, uh, one of the kind of daily Advent reading things, and it, and it's a kind of um, counterpoint to the critique of materialism. So it'll just be interesting to. I know you're quick on your feet, so I think you can take this. You can take this. This is day eleven of this uh, Advent. We haven't we haven't actually been reading this one this year. We've been we've been reading something as a family on Handel's Messiah, which has been really fun. Going through little bits of Messiah and reading the bits of Scripture, which I would recommend. Um, but this is another one I've, I've read on a previous year, but it's really interesting, called The Holiday of Stuff, this this section. It says, we are marking our days during Advent, building up to one of the great Christian holidays. This is a potent holiday, one that secularists appear to understand better than we sometimes do. They want to stamp out any vestige of the historic Christian faith in this so-called winter celebration. And their secularist jihad is not irrational. They know how powerful this story is. This being the case, let us make a point of telling the story in the right way and very loudly. In the first place, do not fall for the lie that the spirit of Christmas is an ethereal kind of thing. This is the celebration of the incarnation, when the eternal logos of God took on a material body which he still has. Do not therefore join in the general lamentations about materialism. 
This is a celebration of God taking on a material body. It is therefore a holiday that should focus on stuff. By stuff, I mean ribbons, decorations, fudge, wreaths, cider, presents, feasting, toasts, shopping with joy, putting up a tree, sending cards, learning a Christmas piece on the piano, and more fudge. Of course, we all know how to sin with stuff. We were living in a pretty earthy state of sin before Christ came, but he did not come to whisk us out of this world in order that we might go to celebrate some kind of Gnostic holiday up in heaven. We are to honour the Lord Jesus with our stuff, so do not drink too much, do not run up your credit cards, and don't try to buy friends with presents. But God's answer to sin begins with the Incarnation. We do not escape from sin by denying or trying to deny his method for saving us. Our salvation lies in receiving, resting, accepting, and imitating. And how do we imitate? One thing we do is use stuff, and we can only do that by faith. So just kind of, just as a kind of interesting, we kind of, in a way, we've been discussing that. I think we have, and I think that's... um... Lavishness of Christmas that you want to retain and not only be like, well, let me just withhold. Um, You know, there's the gung-ho element. And I think in some ways, exactly, I think we've covered... You know, we, it's been great to know that we're not the only ones thinking around this, this space. And I think also that reminds me, I think, as we as we draw the threads together here, Aaron, why this is a tricky thing to, to think through. And sometimes things are very black and white, very clear that we cover on, on, on part of the gaps. I think around consumerism, it's tough because you need to walk yeah. that line. If it was as simple as, you know, do nothing, live on two pounds a day, give everything away, that would be easy. Be t- well, it would be easy. It'd be a very easy answer very hard mm. to live out but easy on if it was equally nothing to worry about carry on as you are just consume 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 what's the problem again mm. very easy answer but given that it's that stand, holding those two things together of going yeah. being grateful for the stuff that god has god has given and using it well and uh, and wisely um that i think it's 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 going to be difficult but you know what that in one sense i think is what discipleship is like i think discipleship mm. is taking that lordship of christ with us out into the world whether it's into the workplace whether it's into the supermarket when we go do our Christmas shopping or wherever we go and figuring out what does this look like? And sometimes it will look like I don't need to buy four chocolate advent calendars and certainly the orange stuff with bottles of gin. Um, <laughs> other times it might go, you know what, that, that Christmas tree decoration, that's going to really help, you know, make the mood look amazing as the mm-hmm. family and friends gather around the tree on Christmas day. That's mm-hmm. worth the purchase and I can do it with thankfulness. And mm-hmm. by the way, doing it with thankfulness and gratitude I think is the key and we won't go down this avenue now this might be a topic for another time but I think one of the things I find I find fascinating in British culture having lived in North American uh, North America for a while in Canada particularly is we the missing festival of course we have in our canon of festivals here in the UK is Thanksgiving because we don't have that tradition yeah. uh, because the Thanksgiving traditions in in for Canada and USA are, are connected with you know when the when people emigrated there and made it through the first winters and so on. Now I know also my American friends would say, "Well, Thanksgiving has been awfully commercialized," and that's true. But still, to have the idea of gratitude and thanks at the heart of the consumption, I think is a, is the right note too. Um, yeah. And so there's something about then we sanctify those gifts and that celebration <laughs> by bringing it for the Lord and doing it in that spirit of thankfulness. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what a great point to. To end, and so if you say to yourself, yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, this has been part of the gaps, and I guess it just remains to me to say, look, however you are celebrating Christmas mm. this year, you know, my prayer, I'm sure, Aaron, your prayer as well, is that Christ would be in the heart of it. I pray you'd find wonderful opportunities to enjoy that time together, whether you're with friends 
or family. I also conscious that for some, Christmas is a difficult time for various reasons. Our prayers and thoughts are with you and pray that you'll still find Christ in the midst of that difficult time too. And I also especially pray that you would have opportunities to talk about that real meaning of Christmas with your friends and your neighbours and your colleagues uh, and help them see the one who is behind it all and makes all of it from ribbons to fudge. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. This has been part of the gaps. Yeah. We'll be back with another episode in a week or so's time. We're going to try and squeeze one in before the big day. So for those of you who are like, man, it's up in two weeks between uh, between part of the gaps episodes. Hopefully this time you'll be surprised by a little bonus before Christmas. Meanwhile, from me, Andy Bannister, and from him, and from, well, for me and my crazy shouting. We're your crazy there. children. It's like it's been quite wonderful hearing the joy, um, joy of, and sometimes screams. You can't quite tell if they're happy or not. Sometimes screams. Okay, the fact that those, you, those of you who can't see the picture like I can, I swear that the door behind Aaron is, is shaking and there's what appears to be smoke coming up. No, the <laughs> elephants at the door waiting to blast it anyway. Well, on that bombshell, <laughs> goodbye. Bye.